check. Make them little money. This week on the Pizza Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at pizzaplanner.com. That's askpete at pizzaplanner.com. And guess what happens? A lot of times, nothing. But sometimes we read those questions on the show. When I say we, I mean me, Padre. No, come Padre. Damien Dunn. Damien Andrew Dunn. When I get into my Spanglish, the whole thing breaks down. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. For those that don't know, and arguably for all of those that don't care, Dame's the Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money. And my friend, Dame, on February 28th of the year 2020, you and I had a conversation on this here radio show. We recorded it on the 28th. It aired for the first time on uh, the 1st of March. And then it made its way to the podcast on the 2nd of March. And the conversation revolved around the following concept. Dame, how concerned are you with the pandemic? Which at the time, it was just the coronavirus. There was no pandemic. Question two was, how concerned are you with the market? And then question three was, how concerned are you with the economy? So as a point of history, it was not called a pandemic yet. The market was getting beaten up pretty bad at that point. February 19th was the high for the S&P 500. And by March 23rd, the S&P had shed 34% of its value. And the economy had not yet seen anything. In fact, Dame on the show, which I listened back to this morning, um, I was still, I had flights planned like two weeks later. We, we really? talked about on the show. Yeah. And it's also worth noting, Dame, that on that show, do you remember the other little weird element to all of this? I don't. I had no voice. Why? <laughs> because it's possible, and I'm not kidding, I actually had COVID-19. Let's just say you did. I, I'm, I don't know how to handicap that idea, but I think I did. I had breakfast a week before with a gentleman who had just been to Hong Kong. And at breakfast, he was sick and coughing. And he was telling me about how weird Hong Kong and Asia were based on the virus striking there. And it didn't even occur to me. So then I got sick uh, on Monday, canceled all of my appointments until I I think Friday when you and I did the show again. You were out. Yeah, I was out. I I I was hurting. And I it was I fatigue, body aches, uh, mild unattractiveness, all all the symptoms. And so, Dame, what I want to do right now, I want to revisit our conversation. Dame, how concerned are you with the pandemic as it stands right now? One is not concerned. Ten, you're very, very concerned. Where are you? I'm probably somewhere six ish somewhere in there seven ish um i think we're learning how to kind of get through our daily lives with with what we are faced with at this point but it's still something that's sitting out there it's it's not a not a great time to be to be uh uh in areas that just don't have a good rap on it right now i am at about an eight i'm at about an eight right now trending towards a nine as opposed to trending back down to a seven. Now, Dane, when I frame this question to you differently, 
238 days ago. I, I have to be honest, I framed it a bit differently, which may have impacted your answer and my answer. I said, how concerned are you about you and your family's health and safety? Which isn't exactly your concern about the pandemic, although our answer got there, but I'm just trying to be fair because I'm going to give our answers what they were then. I probably said like a two or a three about my personal family's um, safety would be you my said guess. A, you said a one. Okay. And I I'm I know you very well. I'm going to say it's because of how I framed the question. Mm -hmm. Because if nothing else I know about you is you will do everything in your power to protect your family's health and safety. And I think your your answer is influenced by that. So I think that's why you were a one. Yes, let's give me the question. benefit of the doubt. Well, no, I absolutely. Why wouldn't I? I'm, this is this episode is not about saying we were right or wrong. It's just revisiting. But anyway, you were wrong. I was a six. I was a six. But my answer was based on that. I had a flight in two weeks. <laughs> and no flights on the calendar forever for you at this point. Dame, as the, it goes to the market, one, no concern. Ten, you're freaking out about the stock market right now and your individual investments. Where are you right now? Two. I market's going to market. Oh, we, we, uh, we saw how quickly it, it crashed and then inexplainably it rushed right back and it's hard to put an, a, a finger on it because we've been through lots of really, really traumatic stuff in the last hundred years of this country. And for better or worse, things keep moving on. They just keep steamrolling on. And some days we have, or some years we have, not so great returns, but if you believe in everything that's going uh, in the market and how it's going to work, you got to believe in the long-term outcome. Dame, how much is your two influenced by the election here in about 11 days or so? Is there any of your uncertainty or concern based on the likely volatility that's heading our way in the next three weeks? I mean, if you're asking me on short-term stuff, yeah, that makes right. me a little, yeah. a little nervous. The, the, there's just always some... Um, uneasiness, uh, instability. Uh, people are, are trying to figure out what a new administration may look like uh, if they come in and implement some of the, the ideas they've got. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely a concern. The political concerns are, are what could certainly upset the apple cart. But uh, overall, like I said, long-term view, really not too concerned. I, I'm a one on a long-term view, but I'm a two on a short-term view. Like I, I, the volatility will freak people out and, and not that that matters, but Damon, you and I both know behaviorally that will lead to people making giant mistakes. And so that's what, that's what upsets me. Uh, 238 days ago on February 28th, when you and I had this conversation, you were a one and I was a one. So go figure. Yeah. Right. I was... All right. The economy, Dame, where are you right now? with the U.S. economy. We could take it to the global economy, but let's take it to the U.S. economy. Where are you right now? Probably about a seven. Uh, just we've talked at no short length on some of the challenges that we see coming in the last quarter of the year, um, whether it's uh, election stuff, whether it's um, living arrangement stuff with uh, rental or uh, eviction moratoriums that are, that are going to get kicked out. Uh, virus seems to be ramping back up. So I'm almost certain that some uh, states or cities are going to have more uh, strict regulations on what you can and can't do. 
And so I'm, I'm a little afraid that we're going to get into a cycle of, um, open things up, shut things back down, open things up, shut things back down or half open. Uh, It's, it's just really tough to be confident when you don't know what rules you're going to play by in the next three, six, 12 months. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm at an eight or a nine, you know, you and I had this discussion. Was it yesterday? How long ago did we actually have this conversation privately? Could have been yesterday. Could have been (laughs) three weeks ago. It was yesterday or the day before. I think I said an eight to you when we had that conversation, but I've talked myself into a nine. Um, and, and we'll actually, I think for the exact same reasons why you just said, I don't need to repeat them. I just feel maybe a hair stronger about those same things you just mentioned. When you and I had this conversation 238 days ago, you were a three to five. Okay. But w- again, with the information we had, I never actually gave a number but I said I was more concerned about the economy than the pandemic, and I gave the pandemic a six. So, okay, I don't know. All right, Dan, let's do this. Come up after the break. We'll wrap this thing up, and then uh, we'll move on to a question about how to split up an estate. All that and more is next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, as you think about, you're listening to Dame and I right now, you think about what is going on with the pandemic, the market and the economy. How have your thoughts changed? I feel, I'll just speak for myself. I feel like as we just revisited uh, from our segment of episode 350 of the podcast and the radio show from February 28th of 2020, I feel like my thoughts have remained consistent Um, and my fear has increased as it relates to the pandemic. And I have a lot of concerns about the economy. Dame, do you want to evaluate your, yours? My perspective has, I think, changed uh, on a greater scale than yours certainly has. Uh, I've taken it, uh, uh, more seriously than I did at at first. And I think it's proven to be the correct (laughs) outcome for me. Um, but we've talked, uh, also, um, in that conversation yesterday or three weeks ago, who knows when it was, <laughs> who knows um, that our um, environments are really influencing how we are viewing a, a lot of these, these specific things for you live in a large Metro area. I live in a, a very, well, not very remote, but a, a small, small town type of environment where is just different factors that influence our day-to-day lives. And if, if the roles were reversed, I truly believe that you and I would see things closer to the way each other sees them currently. That's not saying that one of us is wrong right now and the other's right. It's just that this is what we're experiencing. This is what we know. And we may both be very reasonable based on what we see on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. That got to a bigger uh, more meaningful conversation too, which not that that wasn't meaningful, but more meaningful conversation of, you know, when you disagree with someone or you see it differently, sometimes we, we, we let the operative moment be the disagreement itself and not trying to see it from their perspective or to try to understand why they think what they think. You don't take the moment to look at their environment or to see how they were raised or what their current standing is. And again, that went beyond our conversation about the pandemic and the economy and the market. But it is funny how now it's, it's zero to 100 with anyone you disagree with. And it's like 
you demonize them and their ideas. And I, I just try to challenge myself to not do that just to say, okay, so on the surface, I really disagree with this idea, but like, why do let's think about why they're there. Now, Dave, this took me to a different perspective as, as you and I both feel like we're in a rather stable place as it relates to the pandemic, the economy and the market. Um, you and I both know that not all our loved ones and friends are in the same position. And you try to be sensitive to that. And you try to, by the way, that was a great segue. I mean, I, I know that I'm already in it and I should keep going, but I do need to recognize what a great segue that was. Well, now you have to bring it home. And so you want you want people to know that you care about them, but you don't want to do it in a way that either patronizes them or makes them um, talk about things they don't want to talk about. So, Dame, I think something really important that a lot of people need to, to think about is this idea of, of checking on your people mm -hmm. and, and simply saying, look, there is so much going on right now. It is wild. And I got to thinking about it and I'm wondering how, how are you, how are you holding up with all this? I mean, any financial stress stuff got, got you down and then just listen because Dame, I think sometimes when we talk about uncomfortable things or people come to us with uncomfortable things, we try to solve the problem and by God, Dame, you're a professional financial problem solver. So it's like, um, it's sometimes just important to let someone be heard and to help them talk about what they're going through. And Dame, here's where this is really going. I was talking to a buddy last night whose partner lost her job, lost her job. And he and I were talking about just very simply, it wasn't a big conversation, but it was a meaningful one to me. It's this idea that uh, we all know what it's like to go through a tough time. You, you've been through a tough time. I've ever been through a tough time. But by God, that's the second time I said that in a minute. By God, third time. Isn't watching someone you love go through a tough time so much worse than your own tough time? there's not much that you can do for that person in that, that situation, uh, to help them get over whatever that, that hurdle may be. And the toughest thing for, uh, me in that situation is to know that it's not my job to fix it. Yeah. My job is just to listen and be there and support and encourage and do whatever I can do to make that time period for them a little bit easier. So I don't always, it, you're talking to a planner. I mean, crime, any planners in your name, we want to try and fix stuff or have a plan to get out of something. And sometimes the best thing that we can do, maybe some people would argue a lot of the time is just shut up and listen and ask, you know, what can I do to help you? If it's just sit here and let you vent, I'm going to be a really good listener in that case. Yeah, Dame, I put this out uh, to our group because we listen to people's real big challenges from a financial perspective all the time. And so we try to study the concept of empathy within our organization. And we don't try to, we do. And we pass along things to each other. Um, and so what I want to do now is I just want to share some phrases of empathy that, that you can use with people that you care about as they're going through a tough time. So I'm going to go through seven with you now. And so when someone expresses something to you to make sure that they're being heard, you can say the phrase, if I'm understanding you correctly, right? Man, how great, Dame, is it for someone to, to care that they're understanding you? It, plus, it shows that you're listening. Uh, you're, you're actively engaged in what they are 
telling you and, and trying to work through themselves. You're not just mindlessly bobbing your head up and down, waiting for them to take a breath so you can interject something. How about this? Quote, I feel frustrated. I would feel frustrated about that too. Or I would feel upset about that too. I would feel confused about that too. I would feel surprised about that too. Here's a very powerful one that's as simple as it gets. You're right. You're right. Man, how how good does that have to feel to hear when you're when you're down and you're doubting everything that you you don't even want to validate your own feelings? Yeah, it's a huge relief off your shoulders and to be perfectly honest, that's a great one to use even if you're not sure they're right. Just to calm the situation down a little bit and give them a chance to maybe start unwinding uh, some some additional baggage they need to get rid of. I'm sorry you had to deal with this. I like that. I like that one a lot. It, it does get dangerous to the point. It, it almost feels like the I'm sorry you feel that way, which is not exactly great. Or I'm sorry, uh, especially when you're apologizing to someone, but this is not necessarily apology, but I'm sorry you've had to deal with that is actually a pretty good phrase. Um, now, this one, I don't like that much if used uh, uh, too loosely. I've experienced this issue recently, too. Because I think, Dame, sometimes when we try to relate to people who are struggling, we begin to steal the story. And then we, we it turns into one-upsmanship, and that just gets real ugly. So I feel like you can say, well, I, I have been through that too. But then you can't necessarily go through and tell them your experience, or that, that, that's not great. I've been way more conscious of that one. Uh, and as I get older, uh, just it, it's, I think it's very natural for people to try and uh, build that camaraderie or rapport or you know, a sense of allegiance with somebody and share what they, they've experienced as well. But man, that's probably not the right route. Or if you're talking to someone and they open up to you, say, you know, thank you for talking to me about this. No one expects to be thanked for complaining about their situation. But I'll tell you, it's a really validating feeling. And again, uh, and a, and a, uh, to attach onto that, just telling someone you appreciate the conversation is, you know, obviously another form of thanks, but that's a good way to go. All right, Dame. See, that wasn't too much of a downer, was it, buddy? No, I think we skated on that one. All right, coming up for the break, an actual financial question. Yeah, they may even let us keep the show after this week. You never know. We'll see what happens in the election. This is the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Back on the Pete the Planner Show, answering your money questions. All right, Dame, we actually do have a financial question that we're going to get to this week, and uh, I'm stalling so I can find it. Here it is. Dear Pete, wondering if you ever hear of parents leaving four of their six adult children all their real estate on planet Earth, which includes 48 acres, two houses, and a commercial building at the age of 74 in good health, and the remaining two children not even told about it. When pressed, there is reportedly something else in financial accounts, possibly for when they die to be handed in a will, which could be in 20 years. Any thoughts appreciated or possibly good fodder for your next article? Signed, an interested party. Ooh. What's the emoji called where the guy's gritting his teeth? Is it cringe? No, it's not. I don't know. Could be. 
Oh man, this stinks. I've seen so many different versions of this. Yeah, which I guess leads to the answer. Yeah, we have heard of stuff like this before. It's, I mean, it's not super common, but it ain't the first time I've heard of something like this. So obviously there's a lot to the story we don't know. And probably just as much of the story that the person who emailed us doesn't know. And I'm going to go ahead and make a guess, Dame, that the person emailing us might be involved in the situation. I think that's a fair assumption. So how do you prevent things from getting this way? Like, you know, it's funny. uh, Last week after the show, I had a bunch of people email me articles that Chadwick Boseman did not have a will. He was Black Panther, the the actor that played Black Panther. And, uh, and people love to talk about when celebrities don't have wills and they like to say, well, what can you learn from this? I've never been one to really indulge in that conversation because that's just a deeply personal thing that I feel, feel sad for. Um, but Dame, yeah, a lack of estate planning tends to do this or what you could argue in this case is there was estate planning. It just didn't go the way these people wanted. I think that's the bigger question here is that decisions were made and they were not the decisions that this interested party cares to be uh, uh, really all that tuned up about. So it happens I, for whatever reasons. I, I've seen um, businesses left to certain kids and others be cut out um, primarily because the parent didn't think that the other kids would either A, have any interest in it or be any good at running the business. And they they wanted to make sure that that business had some longevity, had a chance to continue on after they were gone. Now, usually there's some kind of concession made. Maybe there's a, an insurance policy that the other kids that don't get the business get or some other compensating property or investment accounts or anything like that, which is what the thing they are alluding to in this email may turn out to be, or it may not because Pete, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen instances where some kids have been left out of the will entirely, which is always a fun conversation. You know, uh, over the years I've talked tough about various topics because I didn't necessarily, I, I wasn't close enough from an experience standpoint to be able to really weigh in on it. Like before I'd have kids, I'd talk tough about how to parent <laughs> like an idiot. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, various things like that. Oh, travel sports are terrible. Then you have kids and you're like, Oh, okay. I can sort of see the, the, the glory there. Um, I will say this and I don't think I'm going to regret this. If my parents at their passing left everything to my sister and not me, whatever they have, I don't know if I'd care. And and I think it's because it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with what they want to do. And yeah, I guess my feelings could theoretically be hurt because they wanted to give it to a sibling and not to me. But I feel like when we get too upset about stuff like that, we're taking ownership of someone else's wants, desires, assets. And it's like, I want to think it wouldn't bother me. You have to realize that that's an incredibly unique perspective though, right? Or I'm full of it, It, but I'm trying to be honest, but I don't know if it's unique or not. It's just how I I currently feel. I think a lot of people, I don't even know if a lot of people, I think some people would say that or would express that same sentiment. 
I'm not sure when push comes to shove that a lot of people are going to feel the same way. I mean, that's a super emotional time to start with. Uh, and to think that you may or may not um, have been left anything by the people who raised you could, uh, that would mess you up. Not being able to talk through that and uh, have that conversation, try and figure out, okay, is there something we need to work through? Because now you, you can't. It's it's over and done with. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I I think this is a lot stickier maybe than than you may be giving it credit for. Well, I'll say this. I, I feel like I feel like I, I'm part of a situation in which I know by no fault of my own that I will not benefit from a particular relative's estate, right? Sure. And and what one my equal would be was sort of my cousin or whatever like that, cousins might. I don't particularly care. Now, the fact that I'm bringing it up on a radio show and those sorts of things, it, it could argue that I care. Uh, and a psychotherapist would probably say that I care. But I, I sort of, I look at those things and I go, you can only control so much. Why do I feel like I can control what a person does with their life savings that they've then earned and spent? And, and you know, I don't know. I just think it's, I'll speak for myself because, again, I don't want to be too accusatory if people get upset about this stuff, but I'll speak for myself. I think we as a people, as, an, uh, as a human race, do a remarkable job, aka a poor job, at making everything about ourselves. Like when someone dies, I'll be honest, it's not about you. They're dead, right? And it's like, I, I'm okay. I, I don't. You don't have to leave me any money. I'm fine. Like that, That's how I personally feel as a 42 year old reasonably developed male reasonably developed male seemed that that phrase could get turned yeah congratulations i uh we as a species i think have a very unique ability to make things worse for ourselves yes i it, whether it's a topic like this or making poor choices that impact our present and our future, I, it, there's just so many different ways that we don't look out for our own best interests. And when we um, start to ascribe um, motives to other people's decisions that may or totally. may not be true or have anything to do with us at all, uh, we are doing nothing but causing stress for ourselves and maybe those people that care about us. I think my biggest pet peeve in all of this is when there's living generations and the younger generations assumes that all of the money is going. I mean, that's the financial planning conundrum that you and I have seen for decades. It's the, oh, my parents are doing pretty well. They're going to take care of us. And that used to just drive me bananas. All right, Dame, it's that time of the program. This segment is called, is this a Jay Balvin song or not? Jay Balvin, of course, has a new meal at McDonald's named after him. I respectfully had never heard of Jay Balvin, but guess what? Jay Balvin's never heard of me, so I don't take any offense to that. Although when I was listening to DMX working out this morning, I like to think that he listens to our podcast when he works out. So, sir, enjoy your chest presses. Dame, does Jay Balvin sing a song called Rojo, or is that a made-up song? Does Jay Balvin... Sing a song called Rojo. Yes. Okay. Let's make it a little more I, difficult. Am I right? The answer is yes. Yes, answer is yes. Next. Does he sing a song called Azul? 
That's a color in Spanish, right? Well, red, rojo is red. Yeah. Azul is blue. No, that, that'd be no way. I'm sorry. The answer is yes. He does sing a song called Azul. Azul. Does J Balvin sing a song called Blanco? Is the album named Colors of the Rainbow? The Colora. Colores. And yes, each song is a different color. Amarillo, Rosa, Morado, Pedrito, Negro. That's black. So there you go, Dame. J Balvin sings all those songs. Coming up after the break, more of the Beat the Planner show. Biggest waste of money week and more. I'm Beat the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is every week on the show, we give you a, an item for sale that if you bought would probably be a giant waste of money. Sometimes it's a good use of money like Metal Honey Foods' Scorpion Honey available at money or metalhoney.com. That's metalhoney.com. Crockett and Jones times 007 James Oxford, Oxford Shoes. Easy for me to say. After making shoes for Skyfall Inspector, it was no surprise when Crockett and Jones announced they were once again supplying James Bond with footwear in No Time to Die. The James Oxfords bring together the sophisticated silhouette of a hole-cut Oxford in a premium leather construction, resulting in a sharp complement to the 007 signature tuxedo. Made from fine box calf, each pair is crafted using small skins from European tanneries and a tight break for a flawless exterior that's finished off with a leather sole. Inside, an all-black interior features silver foil co-branding logos. The limited edition shoes come in limited edition 007 packaging, including a chrome shoehorn, shoe brush, Sig Sauer, no, I made that part, and a pair of handmade shoe trees all embossed with 007 logos. Dame, how much do you think these pair of black dress shoes cost? Do they come with a smokescreen? I mean, and it would have been a Walther, not a Sig Sauer. Uh, it would be a Walther PPK, uh, $1,195. Now, look, you know I don't mind spending money on clothes, dress clothes, but that's, that's a bit much for uh, bad black shoes. How about just some penny loafers? So, you know, something comfortable. Uh, Danza says, uh, if you're following on Facebook Live, which you can if you're listening to the radio show or podcast every Friday at noon Eastern, go to Pete the Planner Facebook page and you can just be part of the show right there. Pete's high school Spanish teacher is the biggest waste of money of the week, which is actually very funny. Um, all right, Dame, this week in current events, there was a lot going on. Current financial events. Coke is canceling over 200 drink brands. Did you hear that news? I did. Made me think of one of the best movie jokes of all time in Back to the Future. Marty McFly is freshly back in the past, and he orders a a tab a tab at, yeah. at a diner, and they're like, "A tab? You haven't even ordered yet. What do you want?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, a Pepsi free, free. You have to pay for it." Like, <laughs> so there's all those good jokes. But uh, Coke is canceling Tab, the Adwala, uh, like natural juiced stuff, whatnot. Zico, which is delicious coconut water. Have you had the coconut water? You like the coconut water? No, no. You've had you haven't had it or you don't like it? I haven't had it, wouldn't drink it. Let me tell you. 
the first time you have coconut water, you hate everything about life. You're like, who, why would you put this in your mouth? Why would you pour it up across your tongue? It doesn't make any sense. And then, and then you have another drink and you're like, it's still terrible. Then you try it again years later, Dame. And you're like, yeah, it's still bad. But then a week later, you have another one. And then you become addicted. It's delicious. Why would you do that to yourself? If you don't it's like delicious. it. It's delicious. It's so well, refreshing. On the fifth try, five years apart. Still, man. That's how I felt about tapioca. What are foods that you used to like? I, this is a financial show. That you, you used to not like, but now you like. For me, tapioca, salmon, and coconut water are the best ones to go with. Uh, honestly eggs i didn't eat eggs for a long time what yeah huh no huevos uh dame did you know that there was a calculation done based on a lawsuit that minor league baseball players actually earn about four dollars an hour yeah it's not great you know, a lot of people love uh, sports and they want to make it a career or continue to play as an adult and, and grow in the game and all those sorts of things. But for four bucks an hour, at some point in time, you just got to be like, uh, that's no bueno. I'm out of here. It is definitely no bueno. And it's not, but if, if you follow baseball at all, you know that minor league baseball players, except for those to get uh, signed in one of the top few rounds, they don't make anything and the fact that they hang on as long as they can when they say chasing a dream that's what you're doing because you ain't getting paid for nothing you're chasing a dream my cousin played international basketball he played division one college basketball and then played overseas for several years and made a good living you actually can make really good money playing uh, professional basketball overseas you can't actually make much money playing professional basketball in the minor leagues in the united states and so the feeder system is actually Europe. Dame, you sent me this article this week. AMC Theaters is now allowing people to just rent out their whole theater to have people they deem to be safe with them to watch a movie for private viewing parties. They're charging, what, somewhere between $99 to $350 for you to just have your people in there and watch a movie. Thoughts? I like it. I genuinely think I'm going to do this at some point i mean it's a very limited menu of options that you can choose from but man if, if you want to get together with a, a group of people that you know have been taking the appropriate precautions um yeah having a whole theater to yourself just to go sit down and, and watch maybe a classic movie that you wanted to see on a big screen again and jurassic parks on that list to go see that in a theater that might be really worth it i think that's one of the hundred dollar movies that you could get for you know uh, three, four families, that'd be awesome. Can you think of a worse business right now than the movie business? Um, no, that's not. I just drove by a movie theater last night and thought, how is that going to have any longevity at this point? I mean, I, I, I can't think of anything worse than that because people are still flying. People are, are still going to restaurants. People are still arguably going on cruise ships. I mean, you got to think some cruise ships out sailing around. That's Somewhere. probably pretty bad too. Um, so, Dame, you know, we love to talk about Robin Hood on this show. Ha hackers, uh, but of course, Robin Hood, the site. But this is Robin Hood, the legendary thief who steals from the rich and gives to the poor. A mystery Robin Hood hacker 
is giving away stolen Bitcoin. So this group is jumping in and stealing Bitcoin uh, from what they deem to be bad places and giving it to good places. The gang posted receipts for two $10,000 Bitcoin donations to the Water Project and Children International on a dark web blog post. The BBC reported along with screenshots of the transaction when they stole $20,000 and just gave the money to charity. Do you think that's a good uh, charitable giving technique to steal from people and give it to charity? Uh, If you don't get caught, yeah, sure. Go for it, man. I don't know if that's the message I was hoping to deliver. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's bad. Uh, Dame, PayPal, speaking of cryptocurrency, PayPal is to oh, is now open their network to cryptocurrencies. Do you think this is the furthest uh, cryptocurrencies have been normalized the, uh, with the fact that PayPal is now making it part of their platform? Yeah, I think it's going to force banks' hands to really take a solid look at how they're going to interact with, with Bitcoin and uh, housing it for, for their customers. So it, it's going to add some legitimacy to it, even though... Th- the vast majority of the population has no idea how Bitcoin actually works. Were you uh, co-hosting the show when I bought Bitcoin live on air? No, I wasn't. We we you, we were still working together. You just weren't on the show then, I think. If I no, I don't think I'd made my first appearance at that point. I was uh, Cast- Justin was was uh, in Justin that Castelli. One. Yes, yeah. yes, excellent. All right, Dame. Well, that's all that's in current events uh, this week. So, Dame, here's the thing. Here's what we covered on the show this week. We covered. Uh, 238 days from the first time we talked about the coronavirus, the economy, and the market, we updated our current perspectives on this. We will do it again, maybe in March, right? We'll take another look. Um, I think both of you and I are, are more concerned now about the pandemic and about the economy than we were at the beginning. And you and I still remain completely unmoved <laughs> as it relates to the market. Despite the fact that when we first weighed in, the market was getting absolutely hammered and has since recovered. In fact, it only took 148 days to recover to that February 19th level. Uh, Dane, we also talked about how to be more empathetic when you talk to people about their financial struggles. And of course, we talked about cutting people out of wills because, well, (laughs) it's your right to do so. So, Dame, I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in my budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. Everybody have a good week.